Welcome back to the We Know Fantasy podcast. My name is Nate with We Know Fantasy, and today we have a very special show for you guys. Uh, unlike most podcasts, we do not have a We Know Fantasy contributor with me here today. We have some guests making an appearance. First off, we have Jason. Jason, how are we doing today, my man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just excited to be on this and talk about some football and some big news that has popped up already and all the rumors that are going around. So I'm definitely excited to hop on and see if we know fantasy at all. <laughs> yes, Jason goes by the uh, by the alias FF Nerd or that FF Nerd. He's a start sit specialist for important nonsense. He runs the start sit community on Fantasy Life app. He can be found everywhere on social media at that FF Nerd. Also here with us today is Mike. Mike, how are we, my man? I'm doing good. Yeah, like he said, there's some big news happening, and we're all trying to deal with Bimageddon. So, you know, we're going to see how we can handle all this. Yeah, as Mike just referenced there, uh, this week seven by uh, schedule is uh, her- horrendous, and it is going to be, uh, we're going to see some different variations of lineups than we're used to out here this week. But Mike, Mike Manning, he's a writer and podcaster for Important Nonsense. He also works for PFF. Uh, we're all familiar with their, their work. He has been playing fantasy football since 2010. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Manning. Before we hop on uh, four guys, be sure to follow We Know Fantasy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at We Know Fantasy. Visit our website, WeKnowFantasy.com, for some more fantasy sports content. We have fantasy uh, hockey up there right now. Fantasy basketball will start this weekend as uh, the first games have already uh, been underway. Anything and everything fantasy sports, we have you covered. Uh, check back every Wednesday for the Out of the Rough podcast, a fantasy golf po- podcast brought to you by Sean and Lenny, and uh, I think that's it. And as, uh, you know, my my guests here have alluded to, we have some big news. How about we hop into that uh, before things really get going? Uh, before, let's see, probably three hours before this podcast, there was some news or some speculations around the league where uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the Miami Dolphins quarterback, actually his name was removed from the uh, official depth, depth chart on the Dolphins website. Uh, so, Jason, what do you take from this? Is this a move for, say, Deshaun Watson? We'll talk about that later in this podcast. Or is there something else going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you really just have to take a step back because the idea of them trading to away seems pretty far-fetched, especially for Watson, who we really don't know what he's going, his value is going to be or if he's even going to be able to play. I mean, you have to learn a whole new playbook. It's going to be throwing him right in, which I'm assuming he's in decent shape right now. But again, it's just one of those things that you have to take into account that it, it's tough to believe that you're going to trade for a quarterback that has yet to play an NFL game this year and has so many, uh, I would say, clouds surrounding him as an issue. So I, while I do think they could easily be trading him, it's not something that I would expect to happen. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. And as you said there, Deshaun Watson is probably keeping himself in good shape, but as we know uh, throughout the years of, of following football or fantasy football, uh, there's a difference between being in shape than there is being in football shape. You'll hear that uh, allusion quite a bit throughout broadcasts when it comes to players making their season debut, and that's also why we like to st- take a step back when players are returning from injury, or, or long-term injuries at least, where making debuts in the season, uh, football shape is completely different, but uh, Mike, is there anything else here that we haven't touched on? Is is Tua out the door in Miami? 
It's really hard to tell. It's it, really it's a uh, just eye catcher type headline that you see on Twitter, and people are all going to react to it as abruptly as you would think for something as big news as Deshaun Watson being traded or Tua being involved in the trade, being a just less than two years removed from being a top five pick. So you would essentially it, it would be almost a guarantee that that would be the Dolphins punting on this season of being any kind of attempt at having a comeback and you know using Tua to try and win some games after the injury but it, it's hard to tell right now about siphoning through any of the news that's real it's not real you know it's tough yeah like you said most of this speculation just comes from Tua's name being removed from from a depth chart and who knows, maybe it's just an injury thing. Maybe he re-aggravated uh, a previous injury. As we know, he returned this past week against the Jaguars there, but he was out for some time with a, with an injury, and we know how his injury history, maybe something happened in, in uh, practice, and we're just all trigger-happy here when it comes to trade deadlines and hoping we get some some movement, and those Deshaun Watson drafters or draftees uh, are excited to get you know their, their, uh, their golden boy, I guess, in their lineups and and really have those lower picks they invested on him pay off for them. Or if you're in a uh, super flex dynasty or thing like that, and he was your uh, maybe a first round pick last year or a second round pick in startups, you're really just trying to get your investment back on him. So uh, maybe it's just a, a bunch of the fans football community just really jumping the gun here on Twitter. And we've seen this happen a time or two before. Um, but that's uh, that's that. That's something to keep an eye on. Like you said, this is really no news to go off of. It's just kind of speculations as both. Uh, Mike and Jason said there. So let's move on forward, guys. Let's talk about uh, Thursday night football. If, you, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I don't like Thursday night football. I do watch it, and that, that's not the reason I don't like it. It's, it's because it's just a short week. Uh, players are meant to have a full week of rest. We don't get some good fantasy football uh, performances out of these type of guys here on Thursday night football, but we have a different type of uh, happenings here with the Browns really getting depleted with injury. Baker Mayfield is now out. Case Keenan will get the start. We have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt out. So uh, to Ernest, uh, what is it, Ernest Johnson will get the start there at running back. We have a banged-up OBJ. What do we make of this? Uh, what, where, where's the value at? Is there any value here for the Browns against or on this Thursday night slate? Well, I mean, they're going up against a pretty tough defense in the Broncos, which I know isn't super surprising, but one thing that you can't – count on in Keenum is to give you some really good fantasy plays. So uh, I'm actually really interested in seeing if if Landry does play, he is definitely probably going to be the one that he focuses on because that's kind of his general depth of target. Uh, if he's out, Felton is definitely going to be a huge part of the game as well. And I'm super excited for Njoku because that's another big target that uh, we, I was, well, Steve brought up for important nonsense just how he distributes the targets and what his completion percentage is for each position and seeing where he completed the most passes. I was really excited, excited for Njoku, especially for this week. Yeah, the, you, you really hit on their case, Keenum. I believe he, he once had the NFL record for like completion percentage in a season when he played there in Minnesota. Uh, just those short dump down type of passes are really what gets his game going and Jarvis Landry, if he is to return from the IR, he will be feasting and, and Joku, as you said. And, and, and Mike, what do you think that Ernest does this this week? Is there any value there in RB2, 3 flex play? I mean, there has to be. You have to look at the fact that 
those aren't all the only the running backs aren't the only players that are injured on this Browns offense. Obviously, with the quarterback two, their wide receiver one with OBJ is banged up. We don't know if he's going to play. Like Jason said, uh, Landry's a maybe. We don't know if he's going to return or not. They also are out, possibly out their center, their left tackle, and their right tackle. So that's tough to be able to go up against Von Miller and company when you have three starting offensive linemen possibly out. So Ernest Johnson will be the starter, and knowing the Cleveland Browns in general with their play calling for Stefanski, he's going to get volume, and he's going to get the chance to make plays. And in his career, he's been about a five-yard per carry type player on like about 60 carries. So he can make plays and should get the volume. It's worth playing him because this probably will be the only week that you would have the chance to play him, sounding that Chubb seems like he might be able to return next week. Should you expect a huge return? I wouldn't, because even a Thursday night football game, they do tend to be lower scoring for a lot of the, especially with two of these teams like this that aren't known for offense, they're known more for defense. Even though the Browns have struggled on defense, that's where they're most healthy and they have talent there. So it's temper expectations, but should be able to play him. Yeah, I don't think you don't play him, especially he was probably a top waiver wire party, as uh, Mike alluded to when we when we uh, introduced him with, with Bayek getting here. There were just so many top-tier players on by, so many running backs, and really you're just making and piecing together a lineup. And if you were to invest any bit of fab into to Ernest Johnson, you have to get that return this week. You really have to slot him in there. Um, I, I, I don't know where his value is, Jason. If you had to put a put a term on it, would you say he's more of an RB2 or more of a flex play, considering how many buys we have this week? I mean, I definitely – so when I ranked him out, I have him as a very low-end RB2. I think I have him at 22 right now. And so it's just one of those players that I think because of the fact that he can catch passes is what's really going to increase his value. Because, again, we're talking about dump-offs, and the success should be right in the center as that Broncos deed comes in on Keenum quick. I'm just – hoping that Jarnis gets some good targets there and can really have some effectiveness. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, a lot of open-ended questions to be to be talked about here. Uh, we even have the, the Broncos side of the football where everything started off, you know, real good there for Teddy Brid- or Bridgewater, and then last week he goes and throws three interceptions, and we'll see what happens there. And as Mike just said, the, the Browns defense does have some pieces. They have some real good pieces actually um it's just a matter of getting everything going at once and we'll see what this type of game brings to us but another hot name we need to talk about guys i get this question quite often what do i do with miles sanders we just saw that the uh, offensive coordinator for the eagles has spoken about getting the ball into miles sanders hands more kenneth gainwell's there stealing some touches as the although it has been has been less in the last game or two you know before it was almost like a 50 split and Gamel actually out-touched Miles, uh, I think, in a game or two. But, um, Mike, we'll kick it off here. What do you do as a Miles Sanders owner? Do you hold – I know his trade value as a, is at a minimum right now because he's just not getting the opportunities. Yeah, I think this would, wouldn't be the ideal time, obviously, to sell because his perception is probably even lower than his actual value right now. I mean, running backs, as we said, are a dime a dozen at this point with how many – Bye weeks are going on and some of the injuries that are being dealt with. You obviously spent a decent a middle round pick at the latest on Miles Sanders. 
And in the past two weeks, since that, uh, I think it was the KC game, his snaps share has gone up, his routes have gone up, his targets and his rushes, they've all gone up each week. It's just steady, gradual increase in them. So maybe Sirianni's learning that Sanders is able to make plays. He's the best back in that, uh, he's best at that backfield to be in, be able to take some of this pressure off of Jalen Hurts because the it's everything on Jalen Hurts right now. They're passing at a crazy rate. They're the second highest pass team in the NFL. So it, I think that he ne- he's looking at the film and seeing that he needs to change something. And I think that Sanders might see a little bit of an uptick in value in upcoming weeks. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, this team has to do something because Jalen Hurts is, is running for his life, scrambling and just trying to make things happen that just aren't there because the running game isn't helping them. You know, they have, uh, you know, Devontae Smith has been a has been a nice addition to this team, of course. But, uh, Jason, are you in the same boat as Mike? Is is Miles Sanders a hole at this point, or do you think his value increases along with him? Well, I mean, right now I think you have a pretty good value, especially this week. If you can sell them on when everybody is struggling to put together a roster, right now would probably be a good time to do it because everybody needs a running back with six people on by. I mean, it, or – Six teams on by, sorry, but just the fact that you are seeing his touches go up, you are seeing him have those opportunities. I mean, we've, as a site, we have been completely off of Miles Sanders because it, for him, it really takes a big play for him to have any kind of fantasy day. I mean, last year it was like three big carries that really just made him an RB2, and they were all for 80 yards and a touchdown, more or less, all of last year. So, having those more opportunities really will allow him to be the RB2 that you're, you expected. And I mean, if you're able to get something decent or somebody who is on by currently and you're set, I'm okay selling him for that for sure. But it's the trusting of any Eagle outside of Hertz right now is very tough. Um, I mean, now Goddard is probably going to be the next, the next person that you can probably sell pretty high right now assuming that he has that full job but tough to do what would a package need to include for you to let go of sanders at this point is it uh is it a first round pick of, of a rookie draft you need another player in return uh where are you in that in that terms of value in, in, in a trade yeah i mean if you're looking in dynasty yeah i uh first round i would definitely take that immediately without even needing another player back because i just I don't trust that offense to do anything. And so, and I have never been a big Miles Sanders fan. Um, And Gainwell is just an extraordinary talent that they just keep locking up and it's frustrating to see. But it'll be interesting that he's definitely a player that I want. But when you're looking at picks, I'm okay with that. Or even if, like I said, if you can straight up go and get rid of him for Gainwell in like a third round, I'm okay with that too. You in the same boat with him, Mike? Yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be tough to trust this offense in general this year. And if, from what we've seen, it's going to be basically Hurts and Goddard. And we've seen Devontae Smith is expected to, he should see something as an uptick. He'll, he'll have his big games. There's no doubt about that. Um, Sanders should warrant, if you could get the first round, that's that's a, yeah, you can't hit the button quick enough on that, I believe. Yeah, I'm there with you. It, it, you know, it, it's hard, like you said, because he does have those games where he just bursts on the scene and everyone, you know, is relieved and then he comes back and 
just gets about eight touches and you just don't know what to do with it. But if you get that first round pick, you accept that, you move on, um, you're going to find a better value in the first round. Or you can then again take that first round pick and flip it for a better player than Miles Sanders uh, pretty easily. But uh, uh, speaking about another, I guess we could say former Eagle player now between last podcast and this one, Zach Ertz is on the move. He finds himself a spot in Arizona where they haven't had a uh, capable uh, tight end in quite some time. You know, Zach Ertz, the former pro bowler, uh, all t- all pro type of player. Uh, I think he's like one of the best Eagle receivers of all time, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure where he ranks in terms of like yards or whatnot, but he's up there and he had himself quite a career in Philadelphia. But as we talked about earlier, Dallas Goddard is a new guy there and Zach Ertz has been on the move to Arizona. So, Jason... What is Zach Ertz's value in uh, Arizona? Is there just now too much talent and too much for the ball to go around to? There's only one ball on the field. Yeah, but you also saw that even earlier this year in Max Williams, he was a blocking tight end, and he was able to have fantasy relevance. So when you're looking at that, the fact that Ertz is such a good pass catcher and significantly better talent than Max, which not talking him down at all, but Ertz is just one of those people that you know what he is he has a talent and once he picks up the playbook i can easily see him being a top 10 tight end the rest of the year and if they i'm assuming that they're wanting to keep him depending on how successful he is it's it's just tough because like you said there is only one ball and if he's taking away targets i think it's more likely going to come from green and the fact that he's had all that success it's it's definitely going to be interesting but i think again we're looking at touchdowns and this team is 6-0 for a reason, and I think that scoring touchdowns is definitely a part of that, and having those opportunities will be where Ertz has a lot of success as well. Yeah, as you talked about, undefeated team, they put up points in a hurry, although they didn't do it really against my 49ers. But anyhow, um, yeah, this offense is is uh, not one to mess with. They're going to put up points, and they just got better. Uh, Mike, you in the same boat? Is he a top-10 tight end throughout the rest of the season? I think it makes him relatively on the brink of uh, back-end tight end one, high-end tight end two, because the I know that Max Williams had his couple big games. And like we said, though, there is a lot of mouths to feed over in Arizona. If you can't trust any of the talented wide receivers to play each week, are you going to be able to trust Zach Ertz to play each week as well? Because it's uh, he's going from Hertz, who was top 10 in targeting the tight end this year, to Murray, who was literally the last lowest rate in the entire NFL so far this season. So it's I, I honestly think that it might have been better if he stayed in Philly and was fighting with Goddard than going to Arizona. It, it becomes more of a risky play each week while you knew you were going to have certain, so many targets in Philly. He was getting more targets uh, in the past couple weeks than Goddard before even COVID, the COVID incident with Goddard. Now, Mike, you, you talked about something there. Do you feel that, the, you know, having Max Williams as a starter and then losing him, do you feel that had a, a has something to do with Kyler Murray targeting the tight end the least? Or do you just think the tight end just isn't, you know, on his mind or, or I guess, part of Cliff Kingsbury's offense? I think in general it hasn't. It's been a mild part at best throughout Cliff Kingsbury's career as the head coach of Arizona. He's We've had, you know, guys like Dan Arnold have, big weeks and stuff every so often. But I think it's going to be more of a blip on the season here and there rather than be a consistent have, you know, 
five plus targets or you know three even three plus targets a week it'll be a lot more like hoping that you get one of those touchdowns in the red zone that this high-powered offense can put together yeah so we're, we're back on the line of touchdown dependency of a tight end where we are if you have a let's see outside of a top five or six tight end you're really just in that same boat and that's where Zach Ertz uh for me falls now it's just a matter of you know he's you know in the latter part of his career we all know that we all know the talent he did have he was at one time a top three top two whatever you want to rank him tight end in the league but uh things just uh you know he, he's up there with age and there's gonna be touch on dependency uh as most titans are but as he was traded let's talk about some potential trades that could happen i have a few players here that are on underperforming teams, disgruntled, some even try to get out in the offseason, but are still there. I'm going to talk about or give you guys uh, names and give me from a, on a scale of 1 to 10 how likely you are to believe them to be traded before the trade deadline, which actually is just right after next week. So after week 8 is the trade deadline. Uh, give me a, on a scale of 1 to 10, we'll alternate throughout this list here and if you want to, throw in a possible suitor. So we'll start off with someone we talked about, Deshaun Watson. And Jason, what do you think his like a, 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 like ability is for him to move? I mean, just because of everything surrounding him, I have him pretty low. I would say maybe a two. And if you're, you're really looking at teams that are struggling at quarterback or have uh, quarterbacks that are injured, so I'm like... The, when they popped up today earlier today with Miami and Washington being in talks to help that move, I was on board with that for sure because they have Mills and Tyrod in uh, Houston. But, I mean, Miami only has two presented fine. But, again, if you're looking at Washington, who has Fitzpatrick, but he's coming off of IR and Heineke is struggling. He's not that quarterback that – Watson is so having him be able to come in and fill in later in the year or if Fitzpatrick doesn't come back it's that would be a great spot for me that I'm I was excited to see that but again it's trusting that is a difficult part of it yeah and if he is to uh come in slotting right away I'm sure Terry McLaurin owners would be pretty happy about that spot so uh, Mike where do you have uh, the range here of a possibility of Deshaun Watson moving I'd have to give it a four, and the only reason it's even that high is because you c- I could see uh, the Dolphins' uh, owner being one of those that kind of pushes things a bit and says about, like, hey, I'm being impatient here. I'm already giving up on Tua. I want this thing done. Let's make it happen. As just, I mean, if, if you've if rumors and news and things like that, that's, a, that's how he sounds as an owner, so... That's the only thing that could push it up to that because the situation in general seems like untouchable for almost any team. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm around a two to three just because if this whole you know stuff around him wasn't happening, I'm, I believe he would have been moved in the offseason uh, for some kind of package. Uh, you know, him being disgruntled with the team and all of this. But if he has to be moved prior to this deadline, it's gonna be gonna be a bit. I know he hasn't actually seen charges or anything like that or really seen actual uh, punishment from the NFL themselves just from the Houston Texans uh, not playing him for for a number of reasons including that uh, but I don't think he does get moved uh, before this trade deadline so 
Mike, you get this one off here. OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. I know this is a little weird because the Browns do need help at wide receiver, but OBJ, you know, since coming over, can't stay healthy. And maybe they get something out of him here at the trade deadline. I see it as maybe a two at most, a three. I don't think they can do it during the season because of them trying to, the, the lack of depth at the position, one thing. They want to get these players on the field, not send one away that's their most talented one, even though we've had, we've seen Baker Mayfield and OBJ have just not been on the same page throughout the entire time they've been there. But this will be selling him at his lowest possible uh, value. Even in a trade for real football and not fantasy football, you're still you're selling this player who is extremely talented and has shown he can you know play, but just hasn't seemed to be able on the same page. And even there, there's only I think maybe one team being the Packers that are in contention that would want to trade assets for a wide receiver that would be higher up assets. I mean, you wouldn't be able to trade you know a fifth round pick or you know a late round swap to get OBJ. So even though the Packers have shown that they're getting free agents and trying to bring players in to revamp the defense at the very least, I don't think that they would go as far as this. But even though there's this terrible stigma around him in Cleveland, I think that they're going to keep him. All right, Jason, you feel the same way here? Yeah, I definitely have him in a two, but it's more just because his contract is just so massive still. He's signed through 2023, and it's... I mean, they owe him almost $30 million so for the next few seasons. And that's just quite a chunk of change for somebody that you're going to try and trade. And getting anything back on that value, especially right now when you've seen that him struggle with injuries and not have the success on the field that you were expecting, it's definitely frustrating for him as a player as well as the Browns as an organization. But selling him now just doesn't seem like a good answer for him. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you guys there. Uh, I was actually surprised when I was uh, doing some research for this podcast that his name actually came up on a few websites. So a little interesting tidbit there, and I figured we'd throw him in there. But a guy that could move, Marlon Mack, you know, a lot of teams are facing injury at the running back position, as will be at this point in the season. Those running back position really is one that gets uh, the wear and tear on their bodies. So, uh, Jason, is there any good possibility of Mack moving now that, uh, you know, JT's there and really, you know, came on this season? Yeah, I mean, I think I have him at a seven just because he does want to be traded. He does want to play. And the opportunity is there on a lot of different teams. Like, one of the ones that I keep going back to is actually the Dolphins just because he's that kind of a player. And the fact that the Dolphins have been in these alleged talks with getting Watson there, I mean, having this kind of a back that is really solidified, has shown what he can do, and is coming off of injury, you could probably get him relatively inexpensively. It, it seems like a perfect fit for me, but again, it's just the fact that he wants to play. I, I think they can get a decent value for him, and if they can move him, I definitely see that happening for sure. Just wondering who will trade for him. Yeah, another name, maybe the the Ravens. I, I know they have decent stuff there with Latavius Murray and and whatnot happening, but just another name that could be thrown in there. Uh, Mike, you think there's a good value at Marlon Mack moves as? Uh, Jason just said there he does want to be he does want out of Indianapolis yeah I think that I had about an eight because I do think it's one of the most logical and expected moves to happen before the trade deadline Uh, if you could literally pick any move possible any player that has the best chance of being moved 
I think Marlon Mack is probably at the top of that list. Uh, he had his, like, after he had said that he was requesting a trade, they had that big showcase week of giving him a lot of carries and a lot of snaps uh, against the Ravens, and then it's gone down since his snaps have gone down, his rushes have gone down. So I think it's just making sense that they showed, like, hey, he can still play. Just so you guys know, this guy's still good. He's completely healed from the Achilles injury. So, you know, just send your offers. Yeah, just one of those things, like, here he is. He can play. We just don't need him now that, uh, you know, uh, JT is really having himself uh, an early start to his career. A big name here, guys, that has been extremely underperforming uh, at this point. Uh, another disgruntled offensive or offseason wide receiver, Allen Robinson. Uh, I think he's on that franchise tag there. Really wants out of Chicago, and rightfully so. Uh, the man just isn't getting the targets he needs, and the offense is really depleted there. So, uh, Mike, is there any chance whatsoever A-Rob is on the move this season? I'm putting it at a three because I don't really see it happening. Uh, I think that with his how bad his year has been, uh, especially to his how he character he usually plays, it's, again, buying low. And I do think that at, even Robinson can think that the Bears are probably his best, highest-paying team that will pay him in the offseason. So it would be a little difficult, obviously, to go to a different team and then expect some kind of this, a similar money amount for the offseason. It's just he's not on the same page with Justin Fields. He wasn't on the same page very much. He was a little bit more with Andy Dalton, but not by much. And this offense is, it just doesn't have an identity yet. It doesn't really have much of a, you know, it, any kind of motor to it. So I think that he understands that. And the Bears are, uh, their jobs are, probably on the line either this year or next year. They're going to want as much talent surrounding Justin Fields as possible to make sure that he looks good. Well, Allen Robinson is still talented, even though he's not showing it on the stat sheet as much. Yeah, that's uh, one thing. It's, it's kind of surprising that he's not on the same page with the likes of Justin Fields, um, but can be with Mitchell Jabriski. You know, it's kind of, uh, kind of an odd situation. But uh, Jason, same boat here. Is, is A-Rob here to stay? Yeah, just because of the fact that he is going to be a free agent next year. I mean, if they can ship him out, I have him at a four just because, again, if you can get rid of him for anything at this point, since you know you're not going to have him next year, you need to. So if they're shopping around, they know that they invested in fields. They know that they have Mooney there for a while, and they have Komet, who is coming on, as well as Montgomery. And it, the talent is definitely there surrounding him. They just need more cap, pass catchers and wall Allen Robinson needs a volume to have success in fantasy. He's just not getting that with this team because that's not their focus. They they aren't going to focus on one person. They're wanting to focus on winning. And Allen Robinson is getting the type of coverage, and so it's making him that much more difficult to have any kind of success moving forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm here with you guys. It's just hard to move a guy, on the for one, on the franchise tag, making that type of money, and the Bears would take some money on that. Uh, but then again, you really could be just giving a rental for, for you know, this half the season before he chooses where to go or signs a big contract elsewhere. So uh, it's going to be hard for them to move or, like you said, get value worth his uh, worth his value in return. But a wide receiver that could possibly move, in my opinion, I have him, uh, you know, at least above a five. That's Brandon Cooks. Having himself a decent season with Davis Mills throwing the football. So I think we're over to Jason now. Jason, is Cooks on the way out? Yeah, because like we kind of 
touched on the Texans are wanting to get rid of anything good to get some picks back and if they can get some mediocre player and a couple of picks it's definitely going to be worth it and the one value that they have that is really just showing off is Brandon Cooks and I've been a huge fan of him in the offseason and really thought that with Fuller gone he's going to have success and it's clearly shown so far until he's been starting to get some decent coverage on him and so decent defenses are stopping him but again it's one of those things that the talent's there, and it, they can definitely move him pretty much anywhere. I mean, we just talked, you kind of talked about uh, moving him to Green Bay would be a, a solid choice because, man, would he take a lot off of Adams and have that deeper target for sure. And just it, that would be absolutely terrifying. And Green Bay could definitely be going deep and having a, a nice run. Yeah, that would be completely scary if the Packers were able to add the likes of Cooks and take the top off of defense with Adams underneath as a reception guy. That would be insane. We'd all love to see it. Cooks actually is making a decent amount of money uh, next year with his $12 million base salary, has a $15.5 million uh, cap hit. So a lot of money there owed. So if you are to absorb him, you're taking a decent amount of cash with you. And then after 2023 uh, and 2024, his base salary is not, uh, not there as it was already paid, but has some minor cap hits, but nothing crazy. So definitely could make that happen. Uh, could do well there. It's just a matter of next year with, with a decent cap hit. Uh, Mike, is, is there anywhere else you would like to see him go besides Green Bay? I think that Green Bay certainly makes the most sense. Uh, some people have even said possibly to New Orleans to reunite back down there to be the number two once Michael Thomas gets back and have a great uh, one-two punch there because Marquez Callaway, even though he looked great in the preseason, has been more of a jump ball in the end zone type player and hasn't really made the plays, the diving catches and such that we saw. So that would be another good option. And I, he is a good player. There's no doubt. So if a team does is able to trade for him, he's been able to produce with Tyrod at quarterback. He's been able to produce with Davis Mills at quarterback. And as Jason said, the only teams that were able to stop him were the Patriots and the Bills, two very good defenses with shutdown cornerbacks like Tredavious White and J.C. Jackson, who had only Brandon Cooks to focus on. Yeah, it's easy when you're playing the Texans, really know where their offense is going to be funneled through because, uh, like, they, like you guys have said, there's not much happening there. One more guy I'd like to talk about here, guys. O.J. Howard, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Was a was a darling when uh, we thought Tom Brady's coming over, and then he brought Gronk with him uh, last year. So, is there a chance he moves here, Mike? I put it at a four because it it's possible. It would make sense for a team to to look at OJ Howard and say, "This guy's a playmaker. He seems to be recovered from his injury, his Achilles injury as well, and he they they were even forcing him the ball a bit again on Thursday night against Philly." showing that he can you know, do some screen passes, he can make some plays still. This is a former first-round pick, so he, he's, he's got talent. And if he's on the right offense, you know, not a three-headed monster at tight end, it would, be a good, it would be a good option for any team. But I also see the Tampa Bay Bucks as not a team that wants to really trade almost anyone because they brought everyone back for a reason. It was to go for a repeat and... If they have another injury with to Rob Gronkowski, whenever he does even return, 
Uh, I don't think that they want to stay with just Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard. They want to have this versatile offense that can use three tight ends in the red zone if they want or you know, spread these guys out, maybe have three tight ends, but two are at wide receiver, so on. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and Jason, what you hear with Mike, I don't know if I believe O.J. Howard could be on the move. Well, with the fact that they aren't willing to get rid of Ronald Jones, I'm like – there's a few teams that I could see buying into Howard. Like I'm looking specifically at Tennessee. They just got Julio. They have AJ Brown and Berkser. While he seemed great when uh, Johnny Smith was out last year, he hasn't really seen any kind of talent this year. And I don't know if that's just due to the offense or what. But having OJ Howard as the next option would be a huge bump to that offense as well, and definitely somebody who could uh, open things up even more so for. Mr. Henry to just pile through everybody. So uh, while I don't have, I mean, I'll probably have him as a four with Mike as well, but man, it, it's, there's some spots that he could land that it would definitely add some value to him for sure. But like we said, with Gronk having those injuries and the versatility of that offense, it's, it's hard to get rid of him and they just don't really seem to want to. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's show. I would like to thank Mike and Jason for coming on. I uh, greatly appreciate you guys coming on in the last minute. Before we hop off here, guys, uh, Jason, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me everywhere. It's that FF Nerd, um, Fantasy Life app, Xbox, I mean, Twitter. Every, I'm literally everywhere. It's that. Um, and then, of course, uh, if you like anything that we do, Important Nonsense is a pretty good asset for a lot of people. And Mike does some awesome work for PFF and our, uh, and the site as well. So I'm, I'm super excited that we had the opportunity to hop on We Know Fantasy and help you guys out here today, too. Yeah, like I said, I appreciate that. And Mike, where can we find you on social media, man? Uh, I'm on Twitter for at underscore Mike underscore Banning. And uh, for Important Nonsense, I do a weekly article doing wide receiver cornerback matchups, trying to take advantage of some some to avoid, four for each and everything. So you can use for daily, you can use for season long, just to be able to catch the right players to play to exploit matchups during these bye weeks that are going to be brutal, as we've seen throughout the season, or as we've seen already. Awesome, that sounds like it's a very uh, important and informative article, Jack, and I know sure I'll be tuning into that uh, weekly just because that is some great content there. But again, thank you guys for coming on. Until next time, guys, we'll see you.